0: Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4, and our sermon text will be verses 35 to 41. Gospel of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. This is God's holy inspired word. Let's give our attention to its reading. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and said, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's ask for God's blessing on his word. Now, Father, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a great privilege to be with you this morning and to open God's word together. I'm very grateful for uh, the hospitality you've shown, our family already, and we're really, really excited to get to spend time with you all and get to know you all Better. Well, I want to ask as we begin our sermon this morning, where do you go when you are uh, suffering and disoriented by the sufferings that God sends into your life? What are the passages that come to mind or what are the fears that populate your heart? When you face a future that you don't know what will happen, when you face something uncertain and you have to ask, where is God in this Moment, Does He care? Will He demonstrate His presence to me? How do you pray? What is the heart posture that you have in that moment? Perhaps the Psalms can help us with this even better. The Psalms ask questions like this. Psalm 13 begins by saying, How long, O Lord, will You forget me forever? How long will You hide Your face from me? Or Psalm 44, which says, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you reject us forever? These were the Psalms, these were the prayers of God's people in exile when they had heard the promises of God's redemption, but they couldn't see God's work in their particular present circumstances. In the presence of these kinds of questions, God tells us this morning, do not fear, do not be anxious about anything. Or in the words of Jesus in Mark 4, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, this is the end of a very long day of teaching, a long day of teaching in parables. Jesus is revealing certain things to certain people. He intends to actually hide some things from some, but to the disciples he speaks openly and plainly, and he's been teaching a long day, and as the sun is starting to set at the end of the day, he chooses this moment to cross the Sea of Galilee. He tells his disciples, let's cross to the other He is a teacher who is going to teach them a lesson about himself. The parables are intending to reveal certain things about the kingdom. In a certain sense, this is a parable in and of itself. This story of Jesus calming the storm will reveal something about Jesus' power and Jesus' identity. And he chooses this moment to take his disciples into the classroom of a storm and show them who he is and he wants to show you this morning who he is what kind of a savior he is for you i want us to see first in this text that christ sends the storm christ is the one who sends the storm like i say it's the end of a long day of teaching the disciples are likely tired we know that jesus is tired because he's going to take rest in the boat And he tells them, let's cross to the other side. And this is the Sea of Galilee that they're going to be crossing. Uh, It's not Lake Michigan, but it's also not a tiny pond. It's a significant lake. Uh, It's eight miles uh, wide and 13 miles long. And they're not crossing this in a cruise ship, in some massive uh, boat that we would be more uh, comfortable and feeling safe in. They're crossing the boat, they're crossing the sea in these small little Boat. So put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. The sun is going down and the master tells you to get into this little fleet of ships and cross to the other side. And as soon as Christ tells the disciples to get in the boats and cross to the other side of the sea, it seems like this plan that the master has sent for them is a dark nightmare. It says, verse 37, a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was filling. I am not very skilled with boating and spending a lot of time on the sea. I've caught very few fish in my life, so I'll just confess that and tell you I don't know a whole lot about boats. But if you're a kid here today and you're wondering why this is a scary moment in the life of the disciples, one of the important things about boats is you want to keep the water outside of the boat. The boat fills up too much. You've been playing in your bathtub and you've been filling up little things that float on the surface of the water. You know you fill up too much water in your uh, little boats that you play with and they will sink to the very bottom of the bathtub. The disciples see the threatening waves outside filling up water in their boat and they are afraid. All the things that make scary stories scary is present. It's dark. The waves are starting to gradually crash on these boats. And even fishermen who are experienced on the water, unlike me, start to be very, very afraid. So somewhat naturally, the disciples start to ask themselves, where is the person who came up with this plan? Who is the one, where is the one who sent us into this storm? They look around, they're looking for their master, and they're wanting to ask, Why? If they're the disciples, the students of their master, he's brought them into this classroom on the Sea of Galilee. They want to know, why have you sent us here? What are you doing? Where is the one who has sent us into this storm? And you have to ask yourself these questions as well. As you're a Christian walking by faith and not by sight, God will send you into moments that you do not understand. He will send you into adversity, into suffering. He will send you into moments of grief that you will not be able to comprehend. And you will ask, Lord, have you sent this? Have you sent me into this dark time? Well, we see first in our text that it's Christ who sends his disciples into the storm. But second, I want us to see that Christ sleeps through the storm. Christ sleeps in the storm. What an amazing contrast, isn't it? The disciples are in the front of the boat, they're looking at the waves crashing inside of their boat, the water is filling up inside their boat, and they look around, they're terrified, they're afraid, they're starting to lose, they're cool, and what a contrast. The disciple, the master, is in the back of the boat and he's sleeping, and Mark is very intentional in noting, not only is he sleeping, he's sleeping comfortably, it says. He's sleeping on a cushion. The disciples on one side of the boat, terrified and afraid, and asking, where is the one who sent us into this? And the master in the back of the boat, comfortably sleeping. And you can sense this simply is not okay with the disciples. All the waves around them are foaming and flowing over the edges of the boat, and they want to find the one who sent them there and say, you put us here don't you care that we are dying? It says, verse 38, they woke him and said, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? They're frustrated with that contrast. They're frustrated that the Master is taking his rest at the end of a long day and they have to suffer in the dark of the waves crashing on their boats. Uh, Maybe you're in a relationship with a spouse who doesn't worry at all and so you know what it's like uh, to be the worrier in the relationship you're constantly reminding the person who should be worrying about things uh, that they're forgetting to worry appropriately Uh, and uh, your spouse is the one who always seems to be okay there's this contrast between the disciples and the master they want to bring the fact that he should be as anxious and concerned as they are because of the trial that he has sent them into. Well, as Christians in the New Testament, we're told that trials should not surprise us and we should actually rejoice when they come. So Peter and James tell us about this. 1 Peter four, twelve says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial that you are going through. Don't be surprised as if something strange is happening to you. Instead, Rejoice. James 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. And God doesn't send us into trials because He uh, enjoys our suffering, because He's sadistic, or because we should uh, bask in evil in and of itself. But He sends us into trials because of what it will produce in us. You need to see where the tests of your faith are taking you let steadfastness have its full effect James 1 verse 3 says that you may be perfect not lacking in anything or Romans 5 says suffering produces endurance endurance character and character hope but the problem is by nature we are like the disciples if you're hard on the disciples right now you should understand and see your own nature in this The New Testament has to tell us not to be surprised because we are often surprised and unsettled by the storms that God sends us into. We can't see how He could possibly be working in and through these particular griefs and trials and sufferings. See, trials threaten the core of what we're trusting in. The Lord sends the storm to show us what the place, what the thing is that we worship, what we adore, what we fear most. And he demonstrates to us what we should not be putting our trust in. God sends afflictions. He can take our job. He can take our family even and our homes. Every earthly security can be taken from us so that we can learn to put our trust fully in God him. But most importantly, what does God want us to do when we are in the midst of the storm? Well, he wants us to be oriented back to our Savior. He wants us to look back to the one who sent us into the storm. And this is what we see as the story of Mark 4 comes to a close. We see Christ sending the disciples into a storm. We see Christ sleeping during the storm, but finally we see Christ who stills the storm. Christ who stills the storm. Well, in one powerful motion, this master who's been sleeping in the back of the boat rises up and commands the water and the waves, and the one who made the water with the word of his power, the one through whom all things were made, speaks with his power and his authority in all of the water that had been so threatening to the disciples becomes perfectly calm and peaceful. As I said, this story is a parable of sorts. It's intending to reveal some of the nature of the king who has come to announce and accomplish his kingdom purpose. Christ has been revealing himself through different signs and wonders. He's cleansed lepers. He's healed the legs of a cripple, unclean spirits have been cast out, but it isn't amazing that the disciples so quickly can forget the history of what Christ has already done for them. They're in the midst of the sea, and they've already forgotten what kind of a master and savior they have. So before we are too critical of the disciples, we should see the same tendency in ourselves that though God has been faithful to us, though God has been with us and His presence has gone with us in our trials, we can be so quick to forget that He is faithful and that He will sustain us, that He has this kind of power to still the storm. We have so much more history. We know the end of the Gospel of Mark. We know all of what God has revealed in the Gospel of Mark, and yet this story closes with an exhortation from Christ to the disciples. He says to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So the disciples have been asking the question, Don't you care that we're perishing, that we're dying? Don't you see what we're going through? Can't you see our circumstances? And Christ has his own question back for them. Why are you so afraid? In essence, he's saying to them, don't you know me? Don't you know my character? Don't you know what I can do to rescue you? And that's really how the story is left. There's this lingering question. Uh, uh, Christ has stilled the storm outside The winds have been hushed and they're quiet and there's this peaceful lake around. But inside, the disciples are terrified. They were filled, verse 41, with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We're left with the character of Christ who is powerful, the creator of all things speaking and stilling the storm so we have a very clear demonstration of the power and the authority of the king of the kingdom who's come to be the Redeemer but you still have to ask yourself as this story closes the same question that the disciples were asking themselves yes you're powerful yes you are able But do you care? Will you, when you send me into suffering, when you send me into grief that I cannot understand, that I'm disoriented by, what is the demonstration that you will use your power to rescue me from my greatest enemies, from sin, from this world, this present evil age, and Satan himself? Does the master who is powerful at the end of this, lake crossing also care about his disciples and in a certain sense that's not a question that's immediately answered in this passage but as you look at the whole of the gospel of mark he will answer that question will the savior who is powerful do something to rescue those who are beyond salvation in themselves who cannot do anything to rescue themselves. Where is God in our sufferings? What has he done to demonstrate that the one who is powerful is also with us and cares for us and won't leave us or forsake us? Well, Psalm 69 is a psalm that Christ could have prayed as he comes to the end of his Ministry. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the floods sweep over me. Jesus will face a storm, a brewing storm that's growing in the Gospel of Mark, and a storm from which he will not be delivered. The anger of a righteous and holy and powerful God will come against the servant of the Lord. And he will answer this question the disciples asked. Don't you care that we are perishing? And ultimately, the way Christ answers that question for you today is he goes to a cross. See, he will not be able to sleep through this storm that's coming against our sin and what our sins deserve. There will not be a comfortable place of rest for His head. In the place of cushions, He will be nailed to a cross. He will not find sleep and the waters that we deserved, the waters of wrath, of God's judgment, will sweep over our Messiah and He will be drowned For what we deserved on a cross. This is the way over and over and over again that God answers the question, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? He shows you how he has cared by reminding you of the truth of the gospel that the son that he loved, he sent into the world to bear the dreadful curse that we deserved. The Heidelberg Catechism says as it's teaching the Apostles' Creed, why is there added he descended into hell? The answer is to assure me that during attacks of deepest dread and temptation that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul on the cross, but also earlier has delivered me from hellish anguish and torments. The question you do not have to ask as a Christian is will you rescue me eternally? Will I have a place of eternal rest and security? That question has been answered for you through a Savior who has been crucified on a cross and raised for your justification. And yet He cried out for you, my God, my God, why have you Forsaking me. So if you are asking yourself this morning as the disciples were asking master Do you care that we are perishing? This is the place where God answers that? Question I first uh, preached this Text uh, in the weeks a year ago when we heard that a pandemic was spreading Around the world and I explained to the people of our congregation. We don't know the future We don't know what's coming, but God is with us, and he will take care of us, and he's promised I never will leave you or forsake you. And hasn't God been faithful through this last year? Haven't you seen the way that he's cared for his church, that he will remain faithful all the way through to the end of our story i was gripped with my own fears and my own anxieties i like to tell our congregation pastors are just people pastors are just like everyone else we're just people who need a powerful savior and i kept on coming back to psalm 94 verse 19 when my anxious thoughts multiply within me your consolation delights my soul see this story is intending to bring you as it brought the disciples to the end of themselves to see that they were not powerful, they were not able to rescue themselves from this storm, but they have a powerful Savior who can stand in the midst of the storm and command the sea to be still and ultimately goes to a cross to still the anger and the wrath that we deserved on a cross so that we can enjoy peace with God forever. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So as Christ sends you into storms, when it appears like He's sleeping in a storm, know that He will faithfully carry you through. And if He has loved you enough to suffer the dreadful curse for you. He will do everything necessary to bring you all the way home to glory. Let's close in prayer. Our great God, our hearts are so easily shaken. We can forget the whole story of your redemption. You've been faithful to our fathers in the wilderness of old, all throughout the Old Testament. You were faithful to your people Yet they doubted and cried out and wondered if you would save them. And even the disciples in this story cry out, wondering if you care for them. Lord, we thank you that you have shown to us the greatest demonstration of your love and provision. That Christ, though you were spotless and like an innocent lamb, you went to a cross to suffer the curse that we deserved so that we can have eternal security and peace today. Help us to trust you, to not let our anxious hearts rule us, but to live by faith and not by sight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, stand together as we respond to God's word and sing Christ our hope in life and in death.